morning, church. What a privilege it is to be with you. Um, we've spent some time this week with, um, with Sia and Elian, and uh, they're also old pochis. So um, it was great to, to catch up with them, spend time with them and their family. And uh, yeah, as Luke said, we've had them over for a few times. Uh, George is a real blessing for us. Every time we have Freedom Week, you know, we get the, get the Ghostbusters in. And uh, so they come to Porch, uh, and they are a real blessing to us. No, I'm just joking. They became family, uh, Luke and Monica and the kids. It's always great to have them over uh, with us. Just a, a short bio on, on who I am, um, so that you at least know where I come from. So I grew up in Secunda, Pretoria. Then moved to Brits. I, m- I met my wife at the age of 10. Uh, we only started dating after high school, which was great. And uh, we both went to the book. And uh, I studied theology, and she studied um, pharmacy. I went to Australia for a short period of time. There I planted a youth. I came back to South Africa, and I started doing my postgraduate studies in theology. And then I got a job at the university at the Faculty of Theology where I trained up lecturers how to train up pastors online. And I did that for 10 years. And then we became part of the congregation uh, in Poch with Gili and the team who planted the congregation in 2014. And in 2020, he felt called back to Paul um, and to go and pray specifically there in the valley. And we took over there. So I resigned from the university and went into full-time ministry in Poch. So my wife and I, we find ourselves there. She started working, uh, she did a comserve here at the SANDF in the army, so she is a, um, a major in the army, and uh, she's also the responsible pharmacist there now, so we are juggling life at how to actively pursue doing ministry and life in Pochefstrom with students, with families, with people in the army, and all the brokenness that comes with that. And then, uh, yeah, we, we had the amazing privilege of adopting Amu last year. So, so that is Amu. Uh, her name is Amuhalang Eli Lo. Amuhalang meaning welcomed, uh, accepted, and appreciated. And uh, such a beautiful story that that has been part of our lives. So, so we joke, we say we've got Amu and you've got Amu. Um, a, uh, a few weeks back, Amu was there with us. And he ordered a coffee there at Kakua right next to our church. And he walked up there, and the guy behind the counter didn't know him. And he asked, so what's your name? And he said, no, his name is Amo. I said, oh, okay, like the second Amo. And it was so funny for us, because Amo always teased and said, no, we have the second Amo, and he was the first. And uh, so, yeah, that was just a good time we had together. And he, his new name is Gareth. Yeah, I, I keep on forgetting that, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then lastly, we have Rikas there with us. Um, he's doing his DTS there at the moment. So the Fire and Fragrance team is inside our building for these three months. Um, what a blessing it is. So Gabe, who was here two weeks ago, is also a very good friend of ours. We spend a lot of time together. But just to, to mention Rikas for a moment, he said that um, he's still unsure if he's coming back um, because he loves Porch of Struem. You know, he, he absolutely loved the potholes. He says that's the best thing for people following Christ because, you know, you have to pick up your cross and your tire and follow Jesus. So, so he said, no, that's, that's the best place to be. So if any of you are struggling to follow Jesus, come to Poch. 
we will teach you how to pick up your cross and your tire and follow Jesus. So this morning you are busy with a series called Revival and Reformation. And this is something that is really dear to my heart. It's something that happened in our lives. It's something that God awakened in us as a family, in us as a church, uh, and specifically in our congregation as well. And this morning, I'm going to focus on revival out of a place of prayer. So revival that starts in the heart, and then that needs to lead to a reformation. So you've been in, doing this for a few weeks, and you know, actually looking at this topic from different angles. And I want to tell you that there is nothing that will revive your heart than God himself. That's the place where it will start. And I'm standing here before you this morning, not as a, as a perfect pastor, um, not as a, a sinless person. I'm standing here as a person broken before Jesus and asking him to live through me. Because it is impossible for me to be the perfect example. But what I can do is actively pursue him and he can come and change me. And I pray that he will live in and through me. And as the sermon is this morning is that I pray that you won't see me, but that you will actively hear the Holy Spirit ministering to you the truth of who Jesus is. So let us pray and then we'll start off this morning. Jesus, thank you for a moment that we can be silent before you. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus, the slain Lamb on the throne, the one who is, who was, is, and is to come. We sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus, we praise you. Lord, for you are our King. You are our King, you are our Savior, but you are our King. And we want to be obedient to you. And as we sang this morning, God, your cross, your blood, but more than that, your resurrection and life, God, may make manifest in our lives. May your Holy Spirit fill us this morning. Lord, will you come and break open your word for us? Your word that is sharper than a two-edged sword. Will it come and cut our heart this morning? Holy Spirit, will the truth of the revelation of Jesus Christ come and transform us this morning? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So as I shared, you know, we, we're not perfect people. I'm not a perfect person. My wife and I, we, we started dating right after school. And then um, we dated for about seven months. And I was so broken in a space that we had to stop dating just because of the brokenness in the relationship. And then afterwards, we started dating again. We dated for five years, got Married at a very young age of 23. Today, people's like, you don't get married at that age. I think it's the best thing you can do if you are uh, healed in Jesus. Um, it's better to get married when you are young. And we celebrate our 11-year anniversary on Friday, um, which is part of why we are here. Um, there we go. But what I want to share about is the fact that we didn't have the perfect marriage. We, we started sharing with people, we got married, and I'm studying theology, and I'm going to live for Jesus, and I knew good theology. I love theology. I love doctrine. I love when Luke is there. We can sit and chat until 2 o'clock in the morning on doctrine and theology, and I love it. 
but the fact that Jesus didn't come and cut my heart. The, the, the average saying is that, you know, you've got the knowledge, but, you know, it's, it's the cut from the head to the heart that needs to take place. And you can have all the knowledge in the world, and I want to share this morning, is that the devil will know more than you will ever do. Okay? He will have more knowledge of who God is than you will ever do. That's not the problem. The problem is the truth of who Christ is. Okay? We need to surrender to God, not only know who he is. We need to surrender our lives in that. And what happened in our marriage is we got married and we told everybody we, we, were, we had a pure marriage. We were pure before marriage and we got married. And four years in, we were in a small group. And in this small group one night, uh, we did the series on marriage. And we started, there was a small confession session about, you know, this in your marriage and that in your marriage. And we started the confession session. And then the small group left. And my wife sat me down and she's like, no, 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 we need to have a serious talk. And I'm so thankful to God that, that he speaks very audibly to my wife, that she can actually know what confession is. And she started confessing to me that, you know, she's got all this guilt in our marriage. She's feeling shame, etc., of things that we did before we got married. And we're telling people that we are pure. We went pure into marriage. And we started confessing these things to one another. And then we started through that whole night. It was a Wednesday evening. Next day we had to work and it was late at night. And we're like, well, we have to bring this before God. And we started confessing to God. We started repenting of our sins. We started repenting to one another. We started to forgive one another and actually tell one another that we forgive you. I forgive you. Four years into marriage. And we're like, okay, well, now we need to do something more because we're just going to sin again. And, and what do we do about this? And we actively started pursuing church, we started pursuing family, we started pursuing small groups. And in that, God came and he cut our hearts. And, and we went through a sermon series in Revelation of the slain lamb on the throne. The, true, the truth of who Jesus is. The truth of who the son of man is. The fact that he is so real, he's more real than my wife. And we confessed that and God came and he changed our hearts. And there was a, I would say, there was a revival in our hearts. There was a, a revival from the Son of Man that came and the Holy Spirit convicted us through confession. It started with confession. It started off a place of, I am not enough, but Jesus is. So I want to start us off. You can open up your Bibles in Psalm 46. And we're going to focus there this morning. So you can open up your Bibles. I, I love the Word of God. Um, and I love to do this with our students as well because I think it's a great image. Is that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God. And the Word of God needs to be above me. It is the place where I go to that is, has the ultimate truth. And where I disagree with the Bible, I am wrong. And I need a greater revelation of who God is. So it's a place where I say that I submit to scripture. I submit to the word that became flesh, who is Jesus. And that is why scripture should be a, a very real place for me. It should be a place where I know God through his word, but I know the man Jesus that was the word of God that became flesh. So let's start off in Psalm 46. 
So just before we read that, I want to give you a short background because it's important for us. Who knows that there's also other writers than David in the Psalms? Okay, it's a good thing to know. David was the only, not the only psalmist who wrote it. These are specifically from the sons of Korah, uh, and they were Levites, and um, they were from the family of Kohath. Now that is not that important to know, but it's important to, to realize the fact that these were written and included in the Psalms, and it wasn't, wasn't only written by, by David. So Charles Spurgeon said that he wondered if the Alamoth referred to a high-pitched stringed instrument as suggested in 1 Chronicles 15 verse 20. So it's a way, it's a song. It's a song that was written as a song specifically to sing. Um, there was a comment from, from, Cam, from uh, Campbell Morgan that said, um, on this great song of confidence seems almost unnecessary. So powerful has it taken hold on the heart of humanity. And so perfectly does it set forth the experience of trusting souls in all ages and tumultuous times. And John Trapp wrote that Luther said, when in greatest distress, we want to call for the psalm, saying, let us sing the 46th psalm in concert, and then let the devil do its worst. Let us sing the greatest psalm, and then let the devil do its worst. Most of you will know this psalm, and maybe it will be your favorite verse, verse 10, that says, be still and know that I am God. So let's see where this verse 10 fits into. From verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear through the earth gives way, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy hab habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdom totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. What a song. What a worship song. It was so tender and so beautiful to join you guys in worship this morning. And when I read this psalm, I just want to burst out in worship. This has been the psalm that I've been holding on for the last three months in my life, actively pursuing God in the midst of storms, in the midst of going through trial and tribulation and seeing brokenness. And God is saying, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. Revival it's the first point, 
starts with a revelation of who God is and our spirit that is moved by God. Our spirit that is moved by God. We cannot worship God in spirit and truth as Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4 and not do it out of a place of revelation. If we worship God, and we can do that, the band can go and we can give them a psalm and say, go and prepare that as well as you can and do a good performance for us on a Sunday. It is possible that you can worship out of performance and not out of revelation. But it is not sustainable. You can be a performing Christian and live a life that is, I want that that I see the other person has. That person is worshiping God, throwing up his hands, and he's laying on the floor, face down, crying. And you can try to reenact that, but if you do not have a revelation of, by the Holy Spirit of who Christ is, that will never change you from the inside. And that is what true revival is. It's a change of the heart by the Holy Spirit from the inside. So let's take a look at this psalm. There's a, four, four, a few points I quickly want to just highlight for you. You see the following. The first one is that the sons of Korah had a revelation of God being their true refuge in a time of trouble. And therefore, even if the earth gives way and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its dwelling. That a revelation of who God is. There was a response of faith in God through a revelation of refuge. They knew this. They couldn't just write this up and thought, well, this is a good idea. In the times of war, I will go and I will sit you know, in a mountain somewhere where I find refuge and this must be God. No, they had a true revelation of the fact that they find refuge in God. My question is, where do you find your refuge in a time of storms? In the time where you have to go through the most difficult thing in your life, is your refuge God? And this is the revelation this morning, and I, I want to be sensitive this morning because I know that tribulation is real. I know that some of you sitting here, it's like, yeah, but you don't know my story. I've been crying out to God, and I don't think He's real. He isn't my refuge in this time. When I need Him the most, I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel it. I don't feel His presence. We had a, um, what do they call it, a, like a praise service yesterday of good friends of ours who are student pastors at a church next to us and we, they're good friends of ours and they went through a very difficult time last year and after that they became pregnant again and then just last week their baby was born one day old and then she died and that, that happened the Friday and he went up and he preached the Sunday on the goodness of God. And I was so moved by the fact that it wasn't that he felt that God is good. He knew God is good. It was a fact in his life. His refuge is God in the most difficult time in his life. There's a refuge that I don't feel that God is good, but I know that he is God. I've seen his goodness, and I can hold on to the truth of who he really is. 
That is knowing and having a revelation of God. That is impossible to hold on if you have not been transformed inside. You can tell people that you're okay, but if that revelation has not dropped in your heart, it will not be enough in the times of trouble. The second one is beholding God. Verse 8 says, The God of Jacob that make desolations, making wars to cease. He will stop the wars. He will seize the wars. We don't need to fight it. If there's something in your life and you think you need to fight the storm, you don't need to fight it. God will fight it for you. Your job is to behold God and see what he is doing. The third point is in the midst of this, God says, be still and know that I am God. And this be still, we a lot of times take this verse and we think it, we should be at a place of we should be still and know that he is God. No, this is a rebuke. God is rebuking his people that in the midst of war, that they are not quiet and know that he is God. They are fighting the wars that they are not supposed to. And maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're going through a tough time because you're fighting a war that you're not supposed to. And God is rebuking you and saying, quiet, be still, and know that I am God. And that is the revival that needs to happen. That is a place that can only happen in prayer in your quiet place where you go home, you close the door, and on the inside you ask God, Holy Spirit, come and revive my heart so that I can have a revelation of who the true Christ is. So that he can take my heart and take it to a place where in the midst of storm my refuge will be him. And this is not something we do in the difficult times. This is what we're doing in the seasons when things are good. So that we prepare that when the storms come, we can say this. Do not wait for something bad to happen in your life or a storm to hit, then to run to God. The storm will hit and you won't be prepared. Be still, be quiet, surrender, know that I am God. And God, this is his response. So the whole time the sons of Korah are writing and this is God talking and saying, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's amazing in prayer, if we see this, that we then see that Jesus is talking in Luke 18 verse 1 and he's saying, always pray to his disciples. It was a mandate, always pray. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 and he says, pray without ceasing. My question is, what is that? What does it mean? Should we be having an encounter like this morning with God? And then go home, resign my job, close my closet, most probably then leave my wife and child because they're going to break my time with God and I should have a 24-7 prayer session with God. Is that what he's asking? Because he's saying, praying without ceasing. Jesus is saying, always pray. So the question that I've been pondering about since the assignment, I started reading a book um, of this guy who is actively pursuing revival. When he started at school, he prayed for his school for revival, and he's been seeking God in what is prayer. And prayer is one of those things that we can't understand. If I ask you what is prayer, you've got to be hard pushed to answer the question honestly. Because prayer will be, most of us, it's, 
It's my words to God. It's how I speak to God. But if Paul is then telling us that we should pray without ceasing, it means that I should permanently be talking to God. If my definition of prayer is, it's my conversation with God. So there must be something more about prayer. What does it mean? And I think the revelation is here in Psalm 46. Of a be still, a rebuke, and know that I am God. It is a moment that I take in time that I grow into the place where when God talks, I listen. My prayer is walking into a place or turning my heart to God, waiting on Him and having the revelation that His Holy Spirit, His presence is inside of me. Always. Every time of the day. That is prayer. Prayer is that there is certain times in my life where there is time that is available that I can actively pursue silence and listen to the voice of God for what I am pursuing. But praying without ceasing is that that discipline has been exercised so well that when life is running and that hamster wheel is turning so fast in your life that you can very easily put a stick in it, stop that wheel and recognize God's presence in your life. That is true prayer. And from that place comes a lot of things. And one of the big things that comes from prayer and an encounter with God is confession. If we look in scripture, there's a few places where people have encountered God. The first one is Isaiah and Isaiah 6. Isaiah comes into the presence of God and his response is, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah has an encounter with the living God, and his response is confession. Woe is me. Friends, if you have ever truly encountered God, you will know that if you share it with people, the first words out of your mouth will be confession. And that is what we are seeking. If we seek the true living God, He will encounter us and our response will be confession. John, in Revelation 1 verse 17, sees an open door in heaven or has an open door in heaven and he encounters the Son of Man. Jesus Christ. And his response is, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. His response is one of bowing before the king and knowing he is God and I am not. His response is confession. And I want to say this, that revival begins with encountering God and falling at his feet receiving revelation of who he is. David writes in Psalm 27 verse 8 and he says, You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, Lord, your face will I seek. Our heart's posture should be to seek God 
for him to come and revive us. And a lot of us, our prayers are, God, we are praying for revival in our country. At this moment, we are seeing a big move of God in our nation and across the globe. We are seeing things that we haven't seen. This morning, um, I came in, I, sing, I, I spoke to Harman, and we were talking about the fact that God has been moving in the last four years, that we have seen something that we were not used to seeing in the past. And I think what we are seeing is that we are seeing people that are honestly seeking God. We are seeing a revival in confession. In the fact that people don't want to see big moves anymore. We don't want to see big people anymore. We don't want to hear these big things. We want to see big things in seeking God. Having true encounters with the living God. Being transformed in my inner room. And then going out with other believers seeking God together. That is the move that we are seeing in revival through who God is. So if you want to see true revival in your life. And you're like, God, I can see it in other people, but I, I'm not seeing it myself. It starts with seeking God in the quiet place. It's a place if you are running and you are unsure this morning. And if you need a word, if you have been saying that you want to come to church and that guy is always dealing out words to different people, and he's never talking to me, here's a word for you this morning. Be still, and know that I am God. Stop running. Stop chasing down things that you will think this earth will fill. There's no job, there's no car, there's no wife, there's no child that will fill that void. Seek God. Be still. Silent. Know that I am God. Going to land this plane. God wants to reveal to your heart this morning who he is. But you need to be willing to wait on him. And here's my big revelation that has transformed my life. And you don't need a big revelation specifically. You need to encounter God. And, and what my revelation was that I needed to stop in prayer telling God who he is and waiting on him to encounter me. A lot of the time we pray and the morning you start, it's like, um, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Thank you for this person in my life. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's not wrong to start with thanksgiving. But what if you started your prayer with silence and this simple prayer? Come Holy Spirit and reveal the heart of the Father to me. And we take a moment of silence and you wait on God to reveal what is on His heart and then to start praying. Your prayers will look different the needs and wants in your heart will change. You're not necessarily going to pray for those things that the list necessarily anymore. And the lists are good. Okay, you need to pray for people, specific people, etc. But there's a place for it. We need revival in our hearts. And we need it in prayer. And we need to be still. And maybe it's a rebuke for some of you this morning from God. Saying, stop running. Stop running. Stop for a moment. Be still. 
wait on me. Know that I am God. It's a hard, hard posture of not emptying myself, as the world says, but opening up my heart and saying, Holy Spirit, come show me the heart of the Father. In the storms, in the, where we are in our country, some of us are even scared of what's going to happen on Monday. And we're like, we're looking around us for answers. But I'm not asking God what is on his heart. And then from that place come a place of revelation. From that place come, come something that I encounter the living God. And he will show me how to live. He will show me where to go and where not to go. He will tell me where to stop and where to go and where to walk and where not to. Where to pray and where not to. And then we've got the powerful word of God. We've been working through the sermon series of the Sermon, sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. If you want to know what kingdom life is, and that's the second part, is we need a revelation of God and then we need to be obedient. We need to be obedient. And for the rest of your life, if you know how, want to know what to do or how to live, you can just slowly read through Matthew 5 and actively pursue a lifestyle of what Jesus said, what it looks like. I want us to take this moment and use silent prayer. But I want you to exercise the following. If you're silent, do not start to respond to God at first. Pray the simple prayer. Holy Spirit, come show me the heart of the Father. And exercise not to respond to God yet. Do not think necessarily about his attributes. Do not actively start saying thank you. Ask God that I am your servant and I am here and I am waiting on you. Show me the heart of the Father. And we're going to do that for a few minutes. And then right after that, we're going to respond. And we're going to respond honestly. And maybe you won't receive a revelation this morning. But I want to encourage you that when you go home, actively, in the morning, first thing when you wake up, is take a moment of silence and say, Holy Spirit, Come and reveal the heart of the Father this morning to me.